Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Unveiling Grace podcast episode. So excited you've decided to join us. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And we have a couple from Utah with us today. Someone who knows about the Mormon Church and has made the journey. Um, Jason and Amber Critchlow, did I get that right? You got it right. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. You guys live in North Ogden, correct? Correct. Yep. I'll I'll let Amber start. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are both born and raised Utah Mormons, active our whole lives, did lots of things, and we'll get into that eventually. But um, currently, we have four kids and one grandbaby, brand new grandbaby. Yay, so exciting. Yeah, we're very excited about him. That's kind of us. Okay. Right now we're Christian. We love going to the church that we have found. Um, and it's a great place for us. Cool. So tell us then, you can do it together, take turns. Tell us then a little bit about your story, your background, religious background growing up, and then how okay. you guys met, how you got to where you are now today. Well, um, my story is a little bit, whoops little different than Amber's. I I grew up, I uh, was born in the covenant, uh, as they say in the LDS church. Yep. Um, uh, my parents, my mother was active all, all through my childhood. My dad, not so much. Um, around uh, 12 years old, my parents' uh, marriage started to fizzle away. They got ended wow. up getting divorced. Wow. Um, and so at that point, uh, it was really easy for me to because my dad just fell away from the church and I, I just stopped going as through my, my teen years where Amber was active all the way through. It was about, uh, I was probably 21 years old and I decided I should start going to church and where do I go? The only one that I knew. And so <laughs> yep. I, I, yep. And I joined my friends and, and, uh, and a young single adult ward and started going to church and, um, now, were and, you still in Utah at this time then? Yep. I, okay. I'm actually, I only live three miles from the house I grew up in. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. So That's unusual dad, these days. My, yeah. my dad still lives in that house, and my mom lives down in southern Utah in St. George. Okay. And so, um, yeah, that was, that started, uh, so basically, I think my real LDS journey um, probably started about 21, because I didn't really take anything uh-huh. too serious up through you know to 12 years old because my teen years were just not I just wasn't part of it um but I dove I dove uh head first into it and uh you know and that's that's just that's what we did um two years was two years later one year one about a year and a half later I met Amber through uh work um okay I was delivering delivering Pepsi to a store that she worked at (laughs) 
and <laughs> her boss set us up on a blind date thought we'd be perfect so and we were really <laughs> yeah. oh wow and uh went on our first date to lagoon <laughs> so then did you end up because you went back to the church you know so late 21 isn't really that old but past kind of normal mission time did you ever serve a mission then i didn't no okay I, 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 no mission all right and and i thought about it um but i uh fell in love with amber instead <laughs> we've heard so, that story before actually so amber was that a problem for you that he hadn't served a mission you know, as active lds right in the very beginning it was like oh he's not a return missionary you know because that's yeah. every every girl who's raised as solidly mormon as i was so my parents are still together 51 years later mm. and they raised me to be, you know, I graduated from seminary. I did the Young Women Medallion thing. I did all of the girls. I did it all, right? Presidencies and whatever. Um, so initially it was like, yeah, but I was like, why not? We'll see. <laughs> he was a good guy. I, he was dedicated I, to the church. I had seen him at the store and I was like, well, he's kind of cute. Okay. <laughs> Was that your response to your boss? No, did your boss let you know you were setting, he was setting you up with Jason? She did. She, she did. did. Okay. She she had been trying to talk me into going out with him. Oh, I don't know, maybe a couple months. Yeah. Um, All right. And I wasn't too keen on a blind date and I was occupied at the time. So she set us up and I said, okay, finally, a few months later, we went on a date to Lagoon, which is like a big amusement park here in Utah. Oh, yeah, I know Lagoon. <laughs> we lived in Utah. <laughs> yeah, it was great fun. And it was a really good choice because we had time to actually talk to each other and spend more than just you know, an hour together. And at that point, I was like, oh, yeah, OK, <laughs> I like him. I All right. Gonna... So it so it clicked. The first date was uh, was good for you anyway. Yeah, yeah, it was good for both of us. I think it was good for both of us. I think we both felt like we just clicked. That's, that's and, and Amber, your parents were okay with you dating somebody who wasn't an RM? Yes and no. <laughs> okay. I, yes and no. Um, they they would rather I had found a return missionary, but I had just ended a relationship with a return missionary that was actually not so great. So oh, they were like, mm, got it. Well, so I think they were a little bit more open because the previous actual return missionary was not so great. how long yeah. from first date to uh marriage five months uh -huh. okay. <laughs> and temple marriage right yes, yes. We, we got married in the logan temple in february and it was really really cold <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, Log it's cold <laughs> yes so we got married in the logan temple um for me i was like fourth generation third generation married in the logan temple oh, oh so not just parents. third generation so what generation lds were you then well my mom's goes back quite a ways jason's goes back even further mine um, goes back to joseph smith yeah wow. his goes back to okay. joseph i think mine goes back to 1868 i think is what okay. the first one is 1868 so pretty close there to the beginning um 
ancestors came from Sweden to Utah, and here we are. So uh, you're married in the temple. You guys are happy. Whirlwind romance. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, that's not really whirlwind for LDS. That's somewhat yeah. typical when you say. <laughs> it's yeah. not too surprising, right? Right. Yeah. But we're, we're 25 years into the yeah. marriage. And... So eventually, how many kids and always active in the church? Four, four children. Um, yes, active in the church. Uh, held many callings. You know, uh, young man's elders quorum. I was in the bishopric. Um, Amber was really society president or no presidency. presidency. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so yeah, we we just we we raised our children to be good Latter Day Saints. Okay. And at some point, <clears throat> something changed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. I'll start with me because that's where things started to change. Okay. Um, when I was serving in the bishopric, things started to, I started to put things on the, uh, the shelf that people talk about. All right. Um, I really struggled to believe that God would call me to such a calling, first of all. Um, but on, looking back, I think that that was where God was starting to do a work in me um, to make me, my eyes um, opened to more, uh, you know, truth. So mm -hmm. I'm going to pause you there. Why would you think that God, it wouldn't be God calling you to that type of calling? Was it like way more than you thought you deserved? What's. Yeah. I, I felt like growing up and, and looking at the men that, that, that lead the church, that lead the ward, you know, the Bishop and his two counselors there, those guys boy, they've got it all work. They've got it all worked out. They know what they're doing. Oh. I, I wasn't that guy. <laughs> And so I felt like, you know, uh, and yet we we're always taught that God puts you in these callings um, and not they're not callings for men. They're callings from God. Right. And so um, I believed that that's what it was. And then when they when they called me into that calling, I thought, well, surely he's got this one wrong. <laughs> Just because you didn't think you had it as together as they did. You right. weren't at the same spiritual level. So let's explore that a little. Yeah. So what, what, where did you feel, feel like you fell short? Your job didn't bring in enough money. You weren't famous. You, you know, it, knew it you was, were a sinner. I, I didn't go on a mission. I was just, oh. I was just simple Jason, you know, just going to church and, and trying to do my best, um, trying to do all I can do. But I always felt like I was falling short. Um, I would come home yeah. feeling guilty because I wasn't as good as this guy. Mm. And and so, um, you know, I would look at, in fact, like even my, I was the second counselor. I'd look at the first counselor and I'm like, oh, he's just so much better than I am. Right. I was always comparing myself, mm. which I've since stopped doing that, um, realizing that, that Jesus, <laughs> he, he's enough for even a broken man like me. Um, you know, it, it's so much better. <laughs> so okay. looking, so looking back, how much do you think the other people and, and not to pick up them, not to pick up them individually, because I don't know them, but how much do you think was them bluffing their way through? Do you think they felt any, and they just, they couldn't let on because you just don't, you just don't open up about that sort of thing. 
looking back, I think there's a lot of bluffing your way through. Okay. And, and even there was one time uh, when I was talking to the other counselor, he asked me one day, he says, because we'd issue uh, callings to different people in the ward for different callings. And usually we would issue the callings based on who we thought would fill those callings, not right. necessarily it came from God. And he says, he says, do you, do you pray about when you issue a calling? And I says, honestly, I just issued the calling. And he says, me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that actually made me feel a little better, but, um, but I, you know, I struggled in that calling. I was in there for a year and a half and, okay. and then, and then I actually asked, I resigned from it. Oh, interesting. Sounds because, like God was working on your heart. Yeah. Because you felt unworthy because you felt you just didn't. I just didn't feel like I was um, doing the calling as, as to the ability that I felt I should. Okay. So you were saying that's kind of what you feel like God used to begin opening your eyes. What sort of stuff was ending up on the shelf that you were running into? Well, I was, I was, I was studying a little bit of church history. And uh, so it was, it was a year later, I had broke my ankle. And so I was off work for a little while, had some, some time to, to, to uh, study and research a little bit more. And, and I'm thinking, oh, all right, one more thing up on the shelf. But the real kicker wasn't until 2015. So this was 2012 when I broke my ankle. Oh, okay. So, so he laid in bed for three months. Yeah. It was, wow. it was quite the ordeal. It was pretty. And yet God can do something with that, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so um, there was a lot of things that I was learning that I would just keep to myself. And I was like, oh, wow, that, that kind of bothers me. You know, polygamy, uh, Book of Abraham stuff. Mm. I mean, we don't have to go into all of it. People know there's, there's problems. Right. But 2015, I really dove into the, the book of Abraham issues and I thought, what, you know, what is going on here? And that was when I first uttered the words to myself, I was by myself, but I uttered them out loud. It was really hard. I said, I don't believe the church is what it claims to be. I don't believe it's true. Wow. And that kind of one of those out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so. And then I read, um, I'm sure you've all read the, heard of the CES letter. Yes. Uh -huh. I read the CES letter and I, and I thought, and that just blew my mind. I read that in a day and oh wow, it was, it was all over from there. And uh, I remember thinking, well, I'll just show my family this and they'll all <laughs> say, wow. Right. Yeah. I'll just leave oh, together. That, that didn't happen. And yet you weren't sharing with Amber along the way, right? So no, it, this it, is going to be a bit of a shock. Yeah, I remember. Do you remember the day that I told you? So there were a few conversations along the way. He's like, well, what do you know about this? And what do you know about that? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I worrying about that? Yeah. Um, and one day he showed me the CES letter, like, that was just going to open my eyes and I was going to just be joyful about it. <laughs> and he was, because he was at that point, he had read it and he'd studied it and had looked at, you know, the sources that it came from and a lot of different things. But he just was like, read this. And I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I did tell him no. Yeah. And I want to, I want to stop there because that highlights something I think really important to transition, especially transitioning couples. And it's this for the one person who's been in it, once they've had some stuff on the shelf, once they've ran into a few things that are troubling, something like the CES letter that kind of puts the whole thing together, it almost becomes a confirmation for them that they're not crazy or that they're not, um, this, there really is something to this. But for the person who hasn't had any of that happen, who hasn't had any doubts, who hasn't already put their own stuff on the shelf, the CES letter just seems like a frontal attack on everything yeah. that you hold dear. That, that's a very good description. It, it did feel very aggressive. And it was a rough year, you know, that he kind of was going through all of this. And I was like, no, no, we're not, we're not talking about this. We're, we're not talking about this right now. We'll talk about it, you know, after this happens, after our daughter graduates from high school, we'll look at this. <laughs> Let's cross yeah. one, you know. Were your kids for- teenagers at the time? So at the time, our oldest daughter was 18 and she was just graduating from high school. Um, And so this probably started in the spring of that. It was was, was about spring spring 2015. So we we were getting um, a struggling child through the end of high school and just trying to make that. And he he had a lot of concerns about things he would talk to Shannon and she would get very angry and that was really hard <clears throat> so then he showed me the CES letter and I was like no I'm, I'm not reading it we're not talking about it you you figure this out and I just kept praying god what am I going to do what what is going to make this change how can I make this better what do I need to do what do I need to do what do I need to do you know Right. to fix this because you're seeing the only way to fix this is for him to come back to Mormonism. Yes. Because, and then what if he doesn't, I mean, what's your greatest fear at this point? My greatest fear was that we would lose everything that we ever knew. Right. Because, yeah. um, well, we're married okay. in the temple. Yeah. Okay. Name those things. Yeah. For the okay. body. Okay. So, so we'll name those things of those greatest, those fears. Okay. So, if he leaves, then we're not married in the temple anymore, right? Like that gets dissolved. I'm kind of reliant on, yeah. on him. No forever family. Yeah. Right. No, no more forever family. Okay. And yeah. no priesthood in the home. Yeah. Um, no, no mission as seniors, which I had always thought maybe we would do that, you know, as seniors would go on a mission, you know, because he didn't go <laughs> sure. on one. I didn't go on one. I thought, well, down the road, maybe that's a, no, right? <laughs> off the list. Um, Along with, at the same time, our second child had turned 16 and our youngest had turned 12. Mm. So we needed to advance a priesthood and we needed to enter one into the priesthood as an Aaronic priesthood. And I was like, well, you have to do that. So just get over it. We'll figure it out later. It was the last one I did. And it was the last thing you ever did. Mm. Wow. So, and that was in May of 2015. Ordain so, your youngest son to the Aaronic, right? Yeah. Yes. And yeah I, that was at 12. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That was my last last one. So then our daughter graduated high school and decided to go on an LDS mission. So that was wow. a whole 
new bag of worms. <laughs> yeah. Well, had here's the question: Had Jason, Jason, have you been talking to your oldest daughter about some of this stuff? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so there were a lot of conversations. And they receptive. were pretty hard. They weren't very receptive, and and it was uh, honestly, it was really trying on our relationship um, between you and your daughter. Yeah. 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 It's. Uh, I mean, we never had a bad relationship, but it was. If there was ever a trying moment, that was it. Right. And so now she's kind of saying to you, "Well, you know what? All this stuff you've told me about. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh." not going to go there. Instead, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go deeper in. I'm going to go on a mission. Yeah. Which means dad's wrong, right? I'm going to do the opposite. That's tough. Yeah. Family. Yeah. Yeah. So Amber, was that a relief to you? I mean, was that like, were you really glad to hear she was making that choice? How did you guys process that as a family? So processing that as a family, I was still completely in everything he Everything he was telling me in all the discussions were were wrong. He was wrong. He was misled. <laughs> um, sorry to say, uh, he was. <laughs> what, how else do you process all of that, right? I'm wrong right. a lot about a lot of things. So. <laughs> no, you're not. Anyway, <laughs> um, in the middle of all of this, there was a phone call, and we're gonna. I'm gonna let him tell you about that. Okay. okay. Um, now, has she left on the mission or is she just still no, getting ready to go? She's getting ready to go. So she okay. graduated in May and her birthday was in January. So we had those few months in between. She got a mission call in November. So that that time frame was pretty rocky. Um, yeah. Where was she called to, just out of curiosity? New York. U- Utica, okay. New York. Utica, Utica, New York. And um, so that was pretty rocky. I was all supportive of her. I was on board. I was excited. Um, he was not. He was very stressed about it. And that's yeah. to be expected. You know, he knew what she was going to be teaching was so wrong. Oh. And at the time, I didn't think it was wrong. I thought, right. Hey, you know, I raised this stalwart child and now she's going to go do <laughs> what we always raised her to do, you know? Yes. Oh, yeah. So, so the phone call. Let's go so, Okay. Um, I have a cousin who is a general authority historian for the church, for the LDS church. Okay. Um, I've always promised him that I wouldn't mention his name. That's fine. You don't have to. So, but this was going to be in Amber's mind. The, this is our saving grace. Right he here. was going to save me and bring me back to the church. Explain it all. Right. And so he, he was kind enough and candid enough with me to have oh gosh what was it two hour two hour phone call wow and, um and we 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 went through all of the things that i was struggling with and all he could do for me is i mean he he gave his lds apologetic response but at the same time he validated all my concerns wow in, in a way, you know, he, he says, yeah, I can see why this is troubling. Here's how I get around it. But his answers weren't, and he knew that his answers weren't going to satisfy me. He'd been through yeah. this with many, many, many people. Huh. And he, he knows the outcome. And so wow. he didn't try to talk me into staying. Um, he just wanted me to know that, uh, that I was loved. And I believed that he, that he sincerely loved me. You know, okay. As a person, 
as a, as a relative and, and just somebody who's concerned for me. Um, but it was, I, I, I hung up the phone from that conversation and, and I just felt for the first time validated with, with all my concerns. Right, because he, even while he didn't say they would be enough to have him leave the church, he still acknowledged that all those things were true. They yeah. had happened, they were real. This wasn't just yep. a figment of anti-Mormon's imagination, it was real stuff. Yeah, and he and he did acknowledge that they're very problematic. Okay. And so, wow. and, and the scary thing for me at this time though was, I didn't know what to believe. So if Mormonism isn't true, is there a God? Yeah. Right? And so I was, I was right on the fence of, of you know, which way do I go? Do I, do I, because I hadn't even thought about Christianity outside of Mormons. Wow. Right. And so. Yeah, that's probably a good place to stop. Uh, yeah. It's, we're kind of going to leave our audience hanging here with, all right, okay. which way is Jason going to go? <laughs> Why would and you what, think about Christianity yeah, as an Amber? And right? also, you know, and also with Amber, because I don't know, I'm not sure how much you shared of your conversation, but this like silver bullet, this like last hope that's going to maybe bring you back around doesn't. And so now, yeah, so we'll start next time with right here, right where we're leaving off. And you guys can continue your story from there with us. Sounds good. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. I'm excited. So. Grace and peace to you, Joel and the Critchlows. Until next time, God is good. So long. So long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We have an exciting announcement. Michael Wilder's new book, Passport to Heaven, is out, and for a donation of $20 or more to the podcast, we'll send it to you. It's the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the Micah's Book button to get yours. We appreciate your support of the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.